write about daily irritations, things that bothered them, that frustrated them, or things that had displeased them. And the third wrote about events that had affected them. So they, there was no emphasis on whether it was good or whether it was bad. So one group only wrote about positive things. Another group only wrote about negative things. And then the third group was neutral. They wrote about either or. After 10 weeks, those who wrote about gratitude were more optimistic and they felt better about their lives. Surprisingly, they also exercised more and had fewer visits to physicians than those who focused on sources of aggravation. In fact, researchers have discovered that there are at least seven scientifically proven benefits of gratitude. This is scientists speaking. This isn't, uh, you know, the Bible. The, the first benefit is gratitude opens the door to more relationships. People who are grateful are able to form more relationships. The second thing is gratitude improves your physical health. Thirdly, gratitude improves psychological health. Fourth, gratitude enha enha uh, enhances empathy and it reduces aggression. Five, grateful people sleep better. So if you want to sleep better, <laughs> be more grateful. Six, Gratitude improves self-esteem. So people who seem to have a more positive mindset have a better view of themselves. And seven, gratitude increases mental strength. You see, science is only now discovering a powerful truth that God has been pointing us to for thousands of years. And, and one of the most prominent passages on this subject of gratitude, this subject of thanksgiving, is Psalm 100, the psalm we read at the beginning of this message. I am going some, somewhere, so please do stick with me. Though King David uh, did write the majority of the Psalms, there were other contributors as well. Asaph, was, who was one of David's worship leaders, he and his sons wrote about 12 of the Psalms. The, so, the sons of Korah, they wrote 11 of the Psalms in your Bible. King Solomon, he wrote a couple, two guys named Ethan and Haman. They also wrote one each, and even Moses wrote a psalm. Psalm 90 was written by Moses. But there are a number of psalms that, that we do not necessarily know who the authors were. And Psalm 100 is one of those psalms. We don't necessarily know who wrote it, but we do have the psalm written down for us in our Bibles. It is known as a psalm of thanksgiving, and it was sung during specific thanksgiving sacrifices in the temple, when they are offering uh, sacrifices of thanksgiving and praise to God, they would sing this psalm. It is five short verses long, but it is packed with purpose and direction from the Lord. And we'll read it again. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Be thankful. Give him, give him thanks, sorry. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting and his faithfulness endures to all generations. You see, the way this psalm is structured is that a command is given to the people of God and then the reason or the support for that command is, is then stated following it. So God gives a command to his people, and then following that command, he supports the reason why 
he gave that command. So in verses 1 and 2 of Psalm 100, the people of God are instructed to shout joyfully to the Lord and to serve the Lord with gladness, to come before him with joyful singing. And then verse 3 of Psalm 100 provides the support for those commands. Why should we shout joyfully to the Lord? Why should we serve the Lord with gladness? Why should we come before him with joyful singing? It says this, it says, because you need to know that the Lord himself is God. Know that it is he who has made us and not we ourselves. Know that we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Hallelujah. Because if you know that the Lord is God, if you know that it is he who has formed you, if, it is, if you know that it is he that has created you, if you know that, it is, that you belong to him and that he is a good shepherd, you see... Oh, Hallelujah. It's not enough just to know about God, but we must know our God. You see, you won't know the voice of God unless you know God. It's not just enough to hear about God. It's not just enough to read about God, but we must know our God. We must have a relationship with him. It's not enough just to feel God in service. It's not enough just to have emotional responses, but we must know our God. Hallelujah. It's not enough just to feel God. It's not enough just to hear about God in a sermon. But we must have a relationship with our God. We must know our God. And that is why Jesus declared in John chapter 4, verse 23, he said, But an hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him, not only in spirit, but in truth. Hallelujah. It is not enough just to worship God with our spirit, and with our emotion, and with our feelings, but we must know our God. We must worship him in truth. We must know who it is that we are worshiping. Anybody can feel the presence of God, but there are certain people that connect to God because they know their God. They're not just feeling after God, but they know who he is. Amen. We must know our God. It needs to be settled in our hearts that the Lord our God is one Lord and Jesus is his name. We must know who our God is. We must know that he is one and Jesus is his name. We need to be certain that we have been created by God, that we aren't just a mindless, uh, that we are not just the result of a mindless, unguided process called evolution, but we must know that we have been created and formed by our God. Amen. And that he has given us a purpose, that there is purpose to our life, that there is purpose to our struggles, through the things that we are going through. We must know our God. Amen. You see, we don't create our own purpose, but because we know that our God created us, we know that we have been created for a purpose, and there is a plan for our life. Hallelujah. It goes so much deeper than just feeling God, but when you know God, these are things that you know. These are things that you are certain of, that there is a purpose for your life, that there is a purpose for your family. Hallelujah. We have to understand that we are God's chosen people and that he is our shepherd. And not only is he our shepherd, but he is a good shepherd. In Psalm 23, David describes what it means to have the Lord as your shepherd. He says this in Psalm 23, because the Lord is your shepherd, 
I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows surely goodness surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever but you only know that if you know that the Lord is your good shepherd and that he's there to look after you hallelujah Jesus himself declared in John 10 that he is the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. We need to dig into the word of God and study it for ourselves. We need to know who our God is this day. Hallelujah. It's not just enough to feel God, but we must know who he is here today. We must have a relationship with him. And I hope this encourages some of you to dig into the word of God a little bit more. Maybe join a Bible study or join a group and learn more about this Jesus that you are worshiping. Hallelujah. Don't get me wrong, feeling God is incredible. Coming to service and feeling the presence of God is wonderful, and we should not not avoid that. We should definitely be doing that, feeling the presence of God. But there are no amount of moments or experiences that can replace truly knowing God, truly having a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because when you come to know him with the knowledge that he is the one true God, that he is the one who has created you, that he is the one that has formed you in your mother room, mother's womb. When you come to the knowledge and the understanding that we are made in his image, when we understand that we belong to him and that he is our shepherd, that, that won't keep us. That, that When we have all of that understanding, then all we want to do is shout for joy. All we want to do is come before him when singing. We are happy to be in service of this great God because we have an understanding of who our God is. Your pastor won't have to prod you. The worship leader won't have to beg you to worship because you know who your God is and you come into this place with joyful singing. You come in this place with thanksgiving in your heart. Hallelujah. It doesn't matter what we are going through. It doesn't matter if we are having a tough week because we know who our God is. We are now in the presence of the living God and we have that understanding. We have that knowledge and so we tap into the presence of God. It doesn't matter what trial we face. We know who our God is. Hallelujah. You see, the structure of the psalm continues in verses 4 and 5. In verses 4 and 5, we are instructed to enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise and give thanks to him and bless his name. And then again in verse 5, it provides the support for those commands. So God tells us to enter his gates with thanksgiving, to, to, to enter his courts with praise, to give thanks, bless his name. And then he provides the reason why we should do that. Verse 5, it says, for the Lord is good. For the Lord is good. For the Lord is good. 
His loving kindness is everlasting and his faithfulness endures to all generations. We serve a good God here this evening. We serve a good God here tonight. Hallelujah. He is a God that is slow to anger and ready to forgive. We serve a God that loves us and cares for us. We serve a God whose mercy and goodness is from everlasting to everlasting. He is a God that is not far off from us, but he is close to each and every one of us. Hallelujah. We serve a good God. We serve a faithful God. He is a God that is not going to give up on us. He is a God that is going to keep reaching for us and coming for us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He is a God who has forgiven us of our sins. He is a God who has saved us and has redeemed us. He is a God that has filled us with his spirit and baptized us in his saving name. He is a God that has healed our bodies and touched our minds. He is a God that has restored our families and mended our marriages. He is a good God. We serve a good God this evening. We serve a good God. And because he is so good, I choose to enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I choose to enter into his gates with thanksgiving. I choose to come into his courts with praise on my lips to magnify and to glorify his name. My heart is overwhelmed with gratitude because he's such a good God. Because he's such a wonderful, mighty Savior. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I choose to enter into his gates with thanksgiving because he is such a good God. When I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me, when I think of the goodness of Jesus and how he set me free, I can't help but dance. I can't help but shout. I can't help but praise his name because he is a good God who's worthy of my praise. He is a good God who's worthy of my thanksgiving and adoration. He is a good God. Hallelujah. Let's praise him right now. Let's stand and praise him. He is a good God. Hallelujah. He has been so good to each and every one of us. It doesn't matter what's happening in our life right now. He is so good. His mercy is everlasting. His truth endures to all generations. Hallelujah, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for all that you have done in our lives, for your goodness and your mercy, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for saving us, for redeeming us, for touching us, for delivering our minds, oh God, for setting us free. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's such a good God. He is such a good God. Oh, hallelujah. You see, Thanksgiving is a choice. Thanksgiving is a choice. It is your decision. It is my decision. And so we must choose to be thankful. We must choose to to be grateful for all that he has done in our lives and in our families. We must choose to bless his name. Hallelujah. Instead of focusing on the negative, let's focus on the positive in our lives of what he has done and what he is going to do. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You may be seated as I hurry to a close. If I could please get the musicians to come. Thanksgiving is a choice. We can choose to be thankful or we can choose to focus on all that is negative and all that is, is going wrong and, and things that we don't have control of. Or we can choose to be grateful for what we have, of all that we have been blessed with. You see, not only is Thanksgiving a choice, 
but it is also the gateway to seeing the supernatural operate in our lives. Not only is Thanksgiving a choice, but it is the gateway for seeing the supernatural operate in our lives. Through an attitude of thanksgiving, we invite God to work in our lives and in our circumstances. Based on our attitude, if we have an attitude of thanksgiving, then we invite God to work in our lives and in our circumstances. That is why Paul told the church at Philippi in Philippians chapter 4, he said this, he said, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. First, I want you to notice that when God enters into our situation, when we allow God to enter into our situation, anxiety has to go. Anxiety has to flee. Anxiousness has to go. And the peace of God reigns in our lives. If you, want to, if you want to make it through this time of where we're all feeling a bit anxious about who we shake hands with or who we talk to or who we interact with or what's going on all around us throughout this world or, or what's going to be happening with a possible recession and, and all that is going on right now, if you want to get through this time, then I encourage you, have a heart of thanksgiving. Have a heart of thanksgiving and allow the peace of God to reign in your life because we don't have control. We don't have control over this situation, but what we do have control over is our response to the situations that we face, is our response to what's going on. And if we will have a heart of thanksgiving, a heart of gratitude, then the peace of God will reign in our lives. Don't allow the stresses of life and the demands of the day to run your life, but through prayer and thanksgiving, allow God to take control. Through prayer and through thanksgiving, allow God to take control of your life. Notice how Paul said, in everything. This isn't the only time that he mentions everything and thanksgiving together. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 to 18, he writes, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. In everything, in every situation, in every circumstance, in every trial, when you're on the mountaintop, when you're down in the valley, give thanks. In every situation, in every circumstance, give thanks. This wasn't just something that the Apostle Paul talked about, but this was something that he exemplified in Acts chapter 16. In Acts chapter 16, he and his traveling companion, Silas, had been arrested. They had been beaten and thrown into prison. But not just any part of the prison, but they were so worried about these guys. All they were doing were testifying of Jesus. But they were so worried about them that they put them in the innermost part of the prison, the very center of the prison. So it would be impossible for them to escape. This was the most secure area. But not only were they in the most secure area... But then their feet were fastened with stocks. These guys were going nowhere. And all of this took place solely because they cast a demon out of a slave girl. Solely because they were doing good deeds. 
If anyone had a right to moan and to complain, it was Paul and Silas. All we were doing is what you asked us to do, God. All we were doing is what you expected us to do to help people, to serve people. And now we're in the innermost part of the... What did we do to deserve this? They had had a no good, rotten, terrible day. But at midnight, with fresh bruises on their bodies and their feet and shackles, the Bible records that Paul and Silas began to give thanks to God. They began to give thanks to God. The Bible says that they prayed and they praised God. Why? Because they knew that they needed God involved in their situation. They knew that their situation was only going to get better if they involved God in it. Psalms 22 verse 3 tells us that God inhabits or he is enthroned upon the praises of his people. The image being portrayed here by this passage is that of a king sitting down on a throne and opening up himself to hear the requests of his people. So in Psalm 22, it says, God inhabits the praises of people. What, what is taking place is when we praise God, he sits down with us, and then he opens himself up to hear our requests. So when they began to praise in the prison, God entered into their jail cell. And, and when you get God involved in your situation, there is no telling what God can do. If we invite God into our situation, there is no telling what he can do. And the Bible says that God shook the prison that day with a great earthquake. And immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were unfastened. Right. Amen. Amen. They were free. And when the jailer awoke, the Bible records that when the jailer woke up and he saw the prison doors open, he took out his sword and he was about to kill himself. Because he understood if, ever, if all the doors are open, that means all the prisons are gone. If all the prisoners are gone, I was the one looking after him, so I'm in trouble. And so he was going to commit suicide because he realized that he was in major issue. All of the prisoners had escaped. But the Bible says that Paul stopped him because no prisoner had left the prison that day. The jailer ran into their prison and he fell down before them and asked, What must I do to be saved. You see, that very day, the jailer and his entire household believed, and they were baptized. You see, Paul and Silas didn't praise God to get out of their situation, but so Paul and Silas praised God to get him involved in their situation. They didn't praise God just to get out of jail, but they praised God because they knew that there was a reason that they were going through that trial, and they wanted to get God involved in that situation. And when God got involved in that situation, it changed the very life of the jailer and his family. You see, Paul and Silas had no idea that there was a jailer that was hungry for God. But because they refused to allow their circumstance to keep them from having an attitude of thanksgiving, an attitude of gratitude, and because they refused to allow a circumstance to steal their thanksgiving, God did what only he could do. And the reason I share that is what does God want to do through your life and my life? 
if we will just allow him to operate in our situations through an attitude of thanksgiving, through an attitude of prayer, an attitude of lifting up our hands and thanking God that no matter the trial I face, I choose to praise God. No matter the circumstance, I choose to lift up his name. And when we lift up his name and we involve him in our situation, there is no telling what he can do. Hallelujah. You could be upstanding as I come to a close. You see, Paul, uh, you see, God got involved in this situation not just for Paul and Silas's sake, but it was for the jailer. Hmm. And you may be going through a situation and a trial, and your praise and your thanksgiving and your response to what you are going through may impact those that are around you who do not know God. Those that are around you who do not have a relationship with God. Acts 16 doesn't specifically say which hymn that they sang. So if you'll allow me, uh, if you'll humor me this evening, maybe the psalm they sang went a little bit like this in Acts 16. When they were in that jail cell and they began to sing, maybe they sang this, Shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord Himself is God. It is He who has made us and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. Be thankful unto Him and bless His name for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and His faithfulness endures to all generations. I want to encourage someone here this evening. I want to encourage someone here tonight that you may be facing a trial in a circumstance and you do not understand why it's happening or why you're going through it. I want to challenge you to choose thanksgiving. Choose worship. Choose praise. Choose an attitude of thanksgiving. And there is no telling what God will do in your situation. Choose to be thankful. Choose to be grateful and allow the supernatural to operate in your life and I want to challenge you all to let let's get out of our seats here this evening let's come up to the front and let's worship and praise God together as a church let's be thankful and bless his name together as a church and allow God to move in our situation and who knows what he will do as we lift him up as we worship him as we thank him hallelujah